Hello, and welcome to An American Breakthrough, a podcast from the United States Conference of Mayors. I'm your host, Greg Fisher, Mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, and the President of the Conference. On today's episode, we're talking about the future, about ideas to create a breakthrough for the people of our country. These ideas are assembled in our new Mayor's Vision for America, a bipartisan policy agenda which the United States Conference of Mayors is releasing today to coincide with the opening of the first party convention of the summer. We released an original Mayor's Vision document last December during a presidential forum we hosted in Waterloo, Iowa. That plan outlined 12 strategic priorities designed to help each and every American reach their full human potential. But so much has changed since the release of that roadmap. The coronavirus pandemic and the resulting economic recession have devastated communities of all sizes, just as the national movement for police reform and racial justice has swept across our country. But with these challenges comes great opportunity to build a more just, equitable, and compassionate society. So we went back and updated our agenda to reflect the new realities America is facing. With the release of this new Mayor's Vision for America, we've outlined how, as a nation, we can achieve our American breakthrough. Joining me for the conversation today are three of the mayors who helped work on this document, Phoenix Mayor Kate Gallego, Topeka Mayor Michelle de la Isla, and West Sacramento Mayor Christopher Cobaldin. Mayors, thank you for joining me today. Before we start, I want to encourage everyone listening to visit usmayors.org to download a copy of our Mayor's Vision for America. That's the United States Conference of Mayors website, usmayors.org. Now, one of the overarching imperatives in our new Mayor's Vision for America document is the need to dismantle systemic racism in our country. Systemic racism hinders our ability to address every other challenge facing the United States. People of color, are disproportionately affected by issues from unemployment to the effects of COVID-19 and much, much more. So Mayor Gallego, can you talk about what contributes to these disparities and how you're seeing them in your communities and how does systemic racism reveal itself in Phoenix? At the local level, systemic racism reveals itself in the distribution of resources and opportunities from the concentration of resources and amenities such as parks and green spaces, grocery stores with high quality produce, healthcare resources, to where polluting industries and landfills are located. There are patterns based on wealth and race. Many of these have their roots in longtime policies. We still see the impacts of redlining in my community as in so many others. The access to capital is a generational problem. We see it with our youngest. We, send to, send to, we tend to see that race has an impact on access to educational opportunities even in pre-K. As mayors, we can do so much to make sure we, we focus on equity. Our country will be stronger if everyone has a chance to have a contribution, to have access to the resources we all need to succeed. So you're describing a place like most every city in America right now where it's everywhere. And it's our job as mayors to rip those roots out. So in the mayor's vision for America, we laid out some ideas for how we can address these racial disparities. And what, what do you all think are the keys to transitioning to a more just society that protects and provides opportunity to everybody, where there's just equity and opportunity everywhere? I'll throw that to Mayor De La Isla. You know, I think that the way that we continue building equity in our communities is extremely simple. Um, in order for us to have access to successful individuals in our communities, we must ensure that two basic things, in addition to the basic needs of housing and sustenance for our families, we must ensure that we figure out ways to expand 
the amount of healthcare that we have available. And healthcare, when I talk about healthcare, I'm talking also about mental health. Um, it's extremely important that when we consider our homeless populations, we often talk about the band-aid. We talk about the rescue missions that are there to support our families. We talk about um, I'm trying to figure out how we're going to provide people a temporary place. But we're not talking enough about the challenges that our families have to access mental health care um, and to have access to just finding out the root of the problem so that then we can empower families to succeed. Um, that is huge in order for us to continue building equity. The other area, of course, is back to education. I think that uh, Mayor Gallego alluded to this, just, you know, as we continue to provide access to good education and we start having a conversation not only about that, but our minimum wage in our country is sad. So I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around how it is that we have a minimum threshold of wage and that minimum threshold of wage does not meet the standard for one individual to even be able to achieve the goal of renting a decent place to live or even being able to pay for their own meals. And then we get upset with people because they're working two and three of these jobs and their families are falling behind in school. And many of these families are single parent families. So, so, so we have to have a true conversation about indexing that minimum wage and then making it so that it's applicable to the state in which you're in. Because I tell you what, $15 an hour, which is the number that everybody is married to, will work in Kansas. But I tell you that in my community, to live well, you need to make $16 an hour. And I assure you that in Mayor Cabaldon's community, that's not going to be sufficient. So, so we need to start figuring out how to ensure that when people are out there working hard, especially right now that COVID revealed to us in our country, that the frontline workers are not just our amazing uh, firefighters and our first responders, but guess what? They are that grocery store clerk. They are that person that is there to make sure that you could get your prescriptions filled. They are the people that are doing the difficult jobs every single day to keep our economy moving. And they're making less than $10 an hour. Let's figure out a way to amplify that conversation and ensure that no matter what job you have, there is a basic amount of dollars that you could bring home to take care of your family. Well, and here's the bottom line for us as mayors, that the majority of the problems that we deal with are due to poverty. And as a society, we invest in solving the problems after they become problems. When are we going to wake up and invest in the people up front so we can build human capacity so the basic needs of housing, food, healthcare, and education are taken care of? We're the richest country on the face of the earth terms of our GDP. And there are other countries that have demonstrated how you can take care of everybody's basic needs and eliminate poverty. That is something that is totally doable. If we go to a family supporting wage from a minimum wage, we need the will of the Congress to act on this with the president so that we could literally change the landscape of America overnight. That's what we call a breakthrough. But that is a relatively easy breakthrough that we could take with action from the Senate, the Congress, and the president. With that, let's go to California, uh, West Sacramento, Mayor Cabaldon, what's your perspective on this? Well, the, the COVID crisis, I think, is really highlighting the importance of thinking about systems, right? So we're, not, uh, we're not just grappling with how do we provide support to make sure that, that nobody is coughing, right? We're, we're trying to understand how do we actually beat the disease and beat the systems that are causing it. And I think this question around systemic racism 
the systemic part is the hard part, and it is the one that in some sense mayors are best equipped to deal with, with the support of our state and federal partners, but also that our predecessors and the legacy of mayors um, calls us to a moral obligation to do so. And systemic racism isn't just ubiquitous racism. It's not like, oh my God, there's a lot of disparities out there and they're based on race, let's go solve the disparities. It is those, but it's also why do they exist? And one thing that, that I'm, I'm, I'm really proud about this breakthrough, our breakthrough agenda, because it acknowledges um, that those systems didn't just happen to us, right? It is in cities where exclusionary zoning um, and the rules about mortgages and everything else caused the kind of systemic inequality um, and the underinvestment in, that then happened because we didn't get enough tax revenue in, in neighborhoods that were uh, segregated. We didn't get enough tax revenue to invest in parks and schools and the kinds of services that are necessary. And so a lot of what we see today on the ground is not just the consequence of you know, unfortunate circumstances. Racism was, was encoded, literally encoded in our zoning codes um, in cities. And so in some sense, it's our obligation, um, but also we have great opportunities to deal with that in, in, in a very real way at the local level. And, and it's one thing in some, in some respects that sets us apart from other countries uh, that didn't necessarily, don't have the 400 year legacy or 500 year legacy of slavery to, to contend with. And uh, a good part of the 20th century and the 19th century really devoted towards using cities to enforce uh, white supremacy and the kind of inequality, the inequality that we're dealing with today. So what are mayors doing about it? What's in the agenda? Well, I think what, 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 is, what is very promising is that our ability to rewrite those codes, some of them very directly, eliminating the legacy of, the, of those codes that pre pre prevent uh, people of color from residing in certain neighborhoods that have been off the, have been illegal for a long time, but are still in, the, in, in, our, in our codes um, and often in some of the zoning agreements. Uh, it also means writing new codes, things like the Equal Rights Amendment um, and protections for transgender individuals and, and the other kinds of changes that, that seem simple, but they are essential to rewrite the constitution of equality um, um, in this country and in our cities. And so mayors have a key role to play in that regard and to not just call out the systemic racism that is embedded in our cities, but really tackle those underlying systems and the disparities that have been caused as a result. And we see that in, in the agenda that we put forward around policing is a great example of that, where yes, we wanna do additional training, additional um, uh, anti-bias work with the officers that we have, but we also have to peel back the onion on collective bargaining agreements. We, still, we also have to open up that Russian doll to look at the state laws uh, that prevent cities from dealing with the kind of systemic racism that, that we're seeing on the streets and in and, and, and some of our departments around the country. So it's a both and a solution. And one other one that I would point out that, we're, that, we, that we raise in the, in, uh, in, the American, in the American Breakthrough Agenda really for the first time is, is, the, is our systems of civic engagement. Um, uh, and we see this every day in cities around America where the way that we, uh, who we listen to and how and the way that systems of government pay attention to neighborhoods and to communities is based on a system that like, well, who has time to come to a meeting for four hours at night? Well, not somebody working two jobs, not some, not, not Mayor Gallego trying to educate, trying to do an algebra lesson um, while she's cook, while she's preparing dinner uh, and also making, you know, going to a council meeting. No one has the time to do that except for a very small percentage of, of the population. And they are not a random selection of, of, of our communities of our of America. So part of what we have to redesign at our local level to defeat systemic racism is to, is to make our processes of governing and listening and attending to the needs of our communities much more democratic and much more equitable too. 
Mayor, part of what you spoke about has to do with our basic lack of understanding as people of America around systemic racism and around the history of our country as it results to enslaved people. So one of the things that we're calling for in our document is to insert these, this knowledge into our curriculum so that our kids grow up and learn about the history of our country with the racist uh, policies, institutionalized racism, and how that has resulted in our society today because we're getting the outcomes that our systems are designed to produce. It's our job and what we're calling for in America Breakthrough to change those systems fundamentally so we get more equitable outcomes. That's the goal. Everybody has a bright future that they're looking forward to with great hope and great promise. Let's switch to uh, healthcare. Uh, COVID-19, the dastardly virus, has really highlighted many of the systematic inequities that communities of color too often face. In general, black and brown communities are dying at twice the rate as white communities because of COVID. Healthcare in particular is something too many underinvested communities are struggling to access, and there's no doubt this contributes to the disproportionate effect that I just mentioned on our black and brown Americans. So as mayors, how can we help break down these barriers and ensure greater access to care? And what do you see working locally in your cities? Let's start with Phoenix. COVID has made the truths that we already knew to be even more evident and that we have such disparities in our healthcare system. Uh, Phoenix is the central city and we are surrounded by communities that in many cases are wealthier than we are. We are not the public health authority and so we rely on others for the data about public health. We got a portal about testing data several weeks into COVID and the results came out. I didn't get a sneak preview, but was eagerly interested in learning what were the hot spots in my community. When the portal first came out, none of the hot spots were in Phoenix. They tended to be in much wealthier areas that had much better access to healthcare and thus testing. But I knew it didn't reflect the reality. So many of the essential workers are in Phoenix who were out there putting themselves at risk so that our entire community could benefit. We have, at the city of Phoenix, tried to help address that, even though we are not the public health authority. We got into testing because of these huge gaps. We have had good luck partnering with healthcare providers who have familiarity with our entire community, who can provide culturally appropriate, language appropriate testing and consultation. Phoenix is an incredibly diverse city with many languages spoken, and so we need to reach people with this critical advice in the most comfortable language for them to speak in and, and with providers who are helpful to them. We also know that, that COVID is impacted by someone's general access to healthcare. We have links in our community uh, with asthma. It is much more likely to be prevalent in our Latino community. And as someone who came to politics really through an interest in environmental issues and who grew up with asthma, I hope I can be part of a solution of saying we want to address the disparities. Your zip code, as Mayor De La Isla said, should not determine your access to health care or your life expectancy. But right now in, in so much of America, it does. The mayor's vision takes important steps forward to that to make sure we are addressing chronic health problems economic inequality, environmental issues, access to nutritious foods. We really have to address all of these disparities. As you said, 
Mayor Fisher, poverty is also linked to that and people with more wealth have access to better health care. Topeka, Mayor De La Isla. Um, we are very fortunate to have a clinic here called Grace Med. We partner constantly with uh, another organization uh, called Health Access in which the city provides funds so that our residents are able to receive access to medication. Um, that way they are not without, uh, especially for their chronic conditions. Uh, we work very closely with our uh, Shawnee County Health Department. And I think that as mayors, one thing that we can absolutely do is number one, one of the things that I love about the U.S. Conference of Mayors is that we are active advocating in Washington, D.C. for what we believe. Um, under your leadership, President Fisher, one of the things that we have is our 2020 document, which is a roadmap for the next president of the United States to say, hey, this is what your cities are asking for. Um, and I think that one of the things that we have to continue advocating for is not only for us to continue having access to the Affordable Health Care Act, for us to continue figuring out how states could have access to a public option, how we can continue to safeguard the dollars that are going to be coming to states so that we can have access to expansion of individuals being covered in, uh, with their health care needs. I think that we absolutely need as mayors to continue advocating for a different way to build mental health. Uh, it's, it's horrific that families that have individuals with mental health in their families have to go through a whole different system within the system in order for them to get billing and access, which continues the stigma. But I think that our role as well is not only collaborating in our community, being conveners, advocating at the DC level, like we have been advocating. We've been advocating for this HEROES Act for a long time because it has support for our cities. The only cities that were able to receive benefits were the cities that were over 350,000 citizens. Most of our cities automatically were disqualified of receiving any direct support. So we have a role of advocating so that we can have not only preventative care for our citizens, but now more than ever, we must continue advocating so that we have access not only to proper testing, but also proper resources in the public health aspect of making sure that we can trace people and that we can continue ensuring that our families are able to receive the best health care possible. And, and if you don't think that that, that that advocacy matters, I can talk to you about here in our state, we've had four hospitals close. Um, so it matters. Our advocacy as mayors matters. Let's switch to jobs. Uh, as, we, as, we, as we rebuild our economy, we've got to do so in a way that breaks down barriers to economic justice and equity. And by committing to assisting workers whose jobs are permanently lost to this pandemic, I think we can do that. So with millions of Americans still out of a job and more struggling to get by, what do you all think are some of the most important parts of the mayor's vision for achieving a recovery that provides equitable opportunity? Mayor Gallego. Many portions of our economy that have been hit the hardest are also portions of our economy where communities of color are among the highest part of the workforce. So for example, we have a robust hospitality industry in Phoenix and that has been hit incredibly hard. People are not traveling at the same rate. We had lots of large conventions and right now those gatherings are not permissible, right? But we still hear from people who worked and their whole lives set up businesses or progressed in careers and, and did nothing wrong but are now struggling to provide health care and essential services for their families. So we have to, to step up and, and say we want to be a country and cities where 
we don't forget the people who powered our economy. The mayor's vision says that, that we are going to make investments to help with hiring policies, to prioritize and, and look at people with all sites, uh, types of backgrounds, including non-traditional educational backgrounds, rather than say we only want people with university degrees. We we're going to try to work on upskilling and providing workers in high-risk industries with opportunities to build new skill sets for emerging positions in companies that will help position the United States for a successful transition to a 21st century economy. We also want to make sure we are helping people get through these challenges so they can be ready to hit the ground running when opportunities arrive. Um, the city has really tried to step up and help with people with rent relief, mortgage relief, paying your water bill, keeping that roof on, on your household and, and opportunities for children. Uh, we're doing as much as we can as well to address the digital divide. We've been providing tablets with two years of internet services to uh, residents, including our public housing residents, so that parents can, can keep kids moving forward with educational progress, but also have a connection to look for that next job. Uh, sustainability has been at the forefront. We want the recovery to be greener than what we found before we went into it. And that includes everything from helping workers get jobs, retrofitting our buildings, making them more energy efficient. In Phoenix, we are a sunny community and we'd love to see more solar. Um, the mayors have called for fully funding the Energy Efficiency Conservation Block Grant with the understanding that a comprehensive national policy to remove carbon from the economy and reduce the use of greenhouse gas emitting sources has to be a collaborative partnership between federal, state, and local governments. Local governments will do a lot of the implementing, but that transition has to include our federal partners pushing on R&D, increasing funding for research. Uh, we are also hoping to have a, a transportation system that provides access to everyone so you can get to these great jobs even if you do not own a car and to make sure we're more walkable, comfortable communities. So we're going to come out of this stronger and smarter. With this Mayor's 2020 document, we've laid out an aggressive roadmap for the future. What have you all learned by engaging in this process? Mayor Gallego. As mayors, we face many common challenges, and it's been wonderful to see the solutions that have come from other cities that will work in Phoenix, and also that understanding that the process has to change. As, as Mayor Cabaldin said, we need to include all of our people in decision making. And that's one that, that is an important lesson for me. We've found ways to reach people during COVID and engage them in their homes using technology or, or new telephone tools. I hope all of that will stay with us. A key takeaway for me has been cities are gonna have to power this recovery. We have the great ideas and innovation and with partnerships at other, other levels of government, we're gonna get this done. All right, great. Mayor De La Isla, what have you learned by participating in this document? Well, what I learned about being engaged in this process has been just the level of unity and the particular focus that mayors have on people. 
I think that it's just been wonderful to see that all mayors across the country, regardless of party, of area of the country, are all focused on some basic things. How do we all empower our residents? How do we all figure out ways to eliminate systemic issues that have kept families without the opportunity to succeed? Because as mayors, when we are looking at what the systems of the past have left us, we are the ones that live with this day to day. And it's beautiful to see how mayors all across the country are asking for equity and are willing to advocate for it. What have you learned by participating in this document? Mayor Cabaldon. My big takeaway from this process is hope and optimism and a sense of, of uh, both purpose and possibility. I mean, uh, uh, the working groups and the discussions among mayors uh, brought out what we all know about uh, our cities, which is that uh, they are hotbeds of ideas and solutions and a sense, a fierce sense of urgency, while also a sense that we're in it together. Um, and, and so little of government and society in the news seems like that out there. But, uh, uh, but this document and this agenda and the putting together of it is a reminder. In every single session, it, it, the, the mayors around America have been, well, what if we did this? I'm trying this. Maybe you should try this one too. I, I, I did this, this initiative. It's not quite working, but, but uh, maybe this one will. The notion that we can um, in our local communities on the ground uh, really transform some of these issues and also see them as opportunities. I know, you know the, the, as an example, the, 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 the summer um, uh, focus, renewed focus as a country on the battle for racial justice in, in some ways feels very heavy around you know, the, our historical and moral duty and obligation. But I think uh, you know, in, in the discussions and the work plan that we put together as mayors, it's also been um, dramatically empowering, a sense that this is a moment where our attention and hopefully our resources and the will of, of our leadership, but more importantly of the people in our communities is there to make tremendous breakthroughs on so many of these key priorities that have been on our agenda for a long time, or we're ready now. And so, yeah, times are tough, uh, but they are, this is the moment where, where mayors and our, and our neighbors roll up our sleeves and achieve the kind of breakthroughs that we're gonna be proud of. Mayor Gallego, Mayor Cabaldon mentions hope. What or who is giving you hope at this time? As a mayor, I have been so impressed that people from my business community, athletes, the faith community has all stepped up and said, how can we help? They are willing to engage with the city on tough issues involving equity, poverty, race, have hard conversations that we didn't have last year. It feels like all of the right people are at the table, ready for change, and we're going to get it done. Mayor De La Isla, what or who is giving you hope these days? Well, first of all, I have to say that my, my mayor cohort, it's just absolutely a source of hope. Um, the love and support that we all have for each other and our, and our heart for serving is just absolutely inspiring. But I think that on the other hand, uh, I'm excited about how we have a young group of people all across our nation speaking up, speaking up about injustice and doing so in such a fashion that it has helped leaders have these deep conversations about our country and people desiring to become engaged to make change in our country that's sustainable. All right, everybody, that's all for today. Thank you for joining this episode of An American Breakthrough. Once again, please visit us at usmayors.org to download our plan, 
and be sure to stay tuned for our next episode coming next month. <laughs>